0: Welcome to the Mormon marriages podcast. I am Angeline Bagley
1: and I am Nate Bagley
0: as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints We believe that the most important thing in life is your family and the backbone of your family is your marriage
1: So on this podcast, we talk with couples from the church who provide amazing insights into what it takes to create a marriage that will make you look forward to eternity
0: It would mean a lot to us if you subscribe to the show, uh, review it on iTunes, and reach out to us if you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas to make it even better.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoy the show.
0: Hi. Hi.
1: Welcome back to the Mormon (laughs) Marriages Podcast. Or if you're here for the first time, welcome without the back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the long-anticipated, for a few days... Part two. Part two of our Ask a Mormon Sex Therapist Live. So the first one, we answered two questions from our female listeners. And these next two questions are from our male listeners.
1: It's true. You know what I realized that we didn't do on the last episode intro? What? We didn't tell people why we haven't posted in a a little while. And do you mind if we take just a few minutes and talk to them about that? Sure. Go for it. Because we've been hyping up the Ask a Mormon Sex Therapist Live and Date Night for months, and people have been hearing about it, and I know we have listeners all over the world, and they might care about how things went down.
0: Go for it. Guys,
1: it was awesome. It was really incredible. We had over 3,000 people in a room to talk about marriage on a Wednesday night. <laughs> it was so cool. We, um, One of the things that happened that we grossly underestimated was our capacity to get people through the door quickly. And so when the time came to start the event, we had a line wrapped all the way out around the school and some people made the best of it. Some people were not happy and that's okay. Um, But ultimately we learned a lot of amazing lessons and we're going to do even better for the next date night. And sitting on the stage with John and Julie Gottman in front of a crowd of 3000 people was just such a cool experience. Mm -hmm. Do you have like a, a memorable moment from that evening that really stands out to you?
0: Um, I just remember having a moment sitting down in the audience with your parents and just looking up at you, interviewing the Gottmans and thinking, how did we get here? Right. This is so cool. Yeah, it was nuts. (laughs) It was super cool. We did the thing. Yeah.
1: I I really loved when John talked about how if he could summarize his 40 years of research into one sentence, it would be, baby, when you're hurting, the world stops and I'm there for you. I listen. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really beautiful. That is really beautiful anyway so just to let you know date night went really really well and we're thinking of the cool things that we can do outside of utah and cool future date night events for those of you who were able to make it we did record this date night so if you'd like to see the recording um, there will be a way for you to get access to that soon and we'll let you know what that is mm-hmm. and thank you for those of you who came it was really great to see you and hug you and talk to you and yeah, that's a good summary, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Thanks for listening for the to summary.
1: the update before we dive into the episode.
0: Yeah, so now without further ado, we're going to jump into part two with Jennifer, another fabulous one, and one where we get a little more
1: vulnerable. So var- vulnerable. Vulnerable and
0: open. Anyways, enjoy.
1: All right, we're going. Welcome back to part two of the first ever Ask a Mormon Sex Therapist Live. Yeah. So I've got another question here that I want to read. We, we In the first half of the evening, we, uh, we had two questions from women. <laughs> uh, so my question, uh, not my question, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, the last week has been one of the most stressful weeks of my life. <laughs> 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 and uh, we are trying to conceive a baby. Um, but stress is my ultimate anti aphrodisiac, mm-hmm. and I feel a little insecure as a man and a husband. Um, <laughs> what advice would you give for somebody in who is position. in that position?
2: That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> nice, honey.
1: <laughs> I'm not using this podcast for my own personal gain. <laughs> it's
2: striking how similar that guy's
1: question. Yeah. Is so this to is me. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Oh it's Shock. me. Um, and and, and uh, a lot of every question that we submit is anonymous for the most part, except for, uh, I don't know your name, and we, you don't need to yell it out loud because we're recording, um, but it's not very often you get somebody who just goes, it's me, I, I, this is my question. Yeah. But um, we were just talking, I was just talking to AJ over here and his wife, I don't remember your name. Jessica. Jessica. They're wonderful people, and we were saying how great it is that we can come to this place and um, talk about things that we can't talk about in Sunday school, mm-hmm. and that maybe if we talk about them enough and build up the courage, we can start to talk about them in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I felt similarly to you that there's opportunities for us to kind of break a stigma and talk about things. And this is the reality of our life. And we've kind of, Angie and I have made a commitment to be um, comfortably uncomfortable mm-hmm. in the podcast and let people know um, an acceptable amount of what's going on. What we're not a perfect couple and what mm-hmm. we're dealing with. And this is one of the things we're dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are ready to add a child to our family. And um, like I... When I get stressed, just mm-hmm. do not perform. Or even
0: just the pressure of trying mm-hmm. to conceive
1: is just yeah, it can it's be like intense pressure. Yeah, it's like sex on demand, I'm ovulating now, sexy. Go, yeah. right, exactly. So, okay. so, so yeah. So for somebody, you know, because we, you even spoke to it earl- in in the first half of yeah. the show that like uh, men are often perceived as these. Kind of um, this boorish, you boorish know, sex is, machines, yes. yeah. And uh-huh. Nate is not a boorish sex machine, especially when it's sex on demand <laughs> yeah. and when he's super stressed. Yeah. So, what would you say to a man who doesn't fit that stereotype and who might be like in his head a little bit dealing sure. with stress and and um, of sex on demand and just stress of life?
2: First, that you're normal. Amen. Okay. So, like a <laughs> lot of people are in that situation, and a lot of men are in that situation. It's just that people don't talk about it very often. Um, you know, what people are willing to talk about is the woman who's the low desire and the man who's the high desire. And so you get that al- o- openly much more because it's congruent with our stereotypes of who men and women are. But many men are in your position. And, you know, men aren't sex machines, they're sentient creatures who actually. James
1: Brown is a sex machine.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help. I help right,
2: that. but you know, you know, people are, you know, they, men included, have feelings and self-doubt and and uh, anxieties, and so, I think there's, it, it's not unusual, and I think what I mean, you have to maybe let me know how much you want me to ask you.
1: You can you dig. I'll stop if I get uncomfortable. I'll be okay. like, eh, maybe I don't want to answer that. I have, I'm good at sitting back. Yeah. Okay. Good. So dig away.
2: Okay. So. I mean, maybe uh, can you? Ad- it sounds like you feel some performance pressure as part of what's going on around the reproductive aspect. If the reproductive aspect were off the table, I- it would still be a factor. You're, do you think, or is it? Yeah, yeah, yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Stress, stress, um, and exo- exhaustion are like, they. C- yeah. They, yes. Just not great situation for Nate. Okay. Or little Nate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Little Nate. Average size Little Nate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dear.
1: <laughs> this is six inches, right? <laughs>
3: okay. That's what you told me. You're making
0: me blush, honey. <laughs> Am I blushing? Yeah. I'm sorry. Um... <laughs>
1: I apologize. No, no, no. Irreverent so, Sunday school.
2: So, how do you make se- I mean, yes, stress is always going to take, uh, is always going to interfere with sexual functioning. I mean, it's, it's just a big factor for a lot of people. So, if they're under a lot of stress, you know, it can definitely affect um, erectile dysfunction, premature or- orgasm, or delayed orgasm. So, it just impacts sexuality. But maybe tell me still more. I mean, maybe there's a dynamic of expectation where. I'm just going to take a guess, but Angeline's feeling more like she wants it and you feel that expectation. It's not unusual for sex to be impacted by stress, but I guess I want to understand better the dynamic between you. How do you see that play out?
1: So um, that's a great question. there's a couple. I think there's a couple of things that that come into factor here. So I I think there's. Um, so we've been married for three years. I got married when I was 32. This is like w- fun, to <laughs> t- to be honest about this. You're actually getting the real deal. Uh, leading up to getting married, like uh, so much of the f- of the fun of sex was the fact that it was forbidden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I I felt like my desire was always super super high mm-hmm. when w- when we were dating because there mm-hmm. was like. It was just like okay, mm-hmm. like flirting with that line, and and wanting to um, that that for that forbidden nature of the thing created a lot of desire. Yes, and then when the thing isn't forbidden anymore, it changes. And, and especially mm-hmm. when the chase is completely removed. Yep. And it's like okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Um, I I feel like uh, that combined with like there's a bit of expectation, and then combined with also. Um, You guys are getting a lot of my personal life right now. (laughs) With the fact that about a year and a half into our marriage, my wife told me that she was sick of seeing me miserable in my job and she wanted me to quit my job and pursue my dreams, which is why we're having this conversation now. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the last year and a half, I haven't had a whole lot of income and so I think there's been a little bit of insecurity Mm -hmm. mixed in as Mm -hmm. well, feeling feeling pressure to be a provider and so working really, really hard and long hours and worrying about a lot of things that um, were going on in the background. Because I didn't feel like I was contributing the way that I yeah. I hope I want to. Yes. So all of those things I think are Good. combining right now. Of, um, That's and, helpful. And, and and now it's like let's have a baby and um, go time doesn't always go as planned.
0: And I probably put a little bit too much pressure on him. Yeah. In that say, I have a little bit of anxiety around. Say more about that. What's here?
1: So like. I want a baby now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do. Are you going to be a real man or not? <laughs> go time. So, like, um, I'm just a tracker and I know exactly what, when my body's ready mm-hmm. and when I'm ovulating, and it's like, okay, time to go. And I think. Mm-hmm. Um, That's close
1: to the way you say it.
0: I just, I put, That's I so recognize sexy. that I put some unrealistic expectations on it, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I. I get disappointed when mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. and then I start to be upset because we're going to mm-hmm. have to do we're going to have to repeat this whole thing mm-hmm. all over again next month. Mm-hmm. And so it's something I've recognized that I'm trying to
1: mm-hmm. pull like, back on. Like we're trying to figure this out. So like last month she she kind of has the week timed where she's ovulating. She's like we're going to have sex every day and I'm like I never thought I would t- say this, but I was like every day? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Never in my life <laughs> did I think I would say right. those words. Right. <laughs> so that month that month went by and like we missed a day or two and if we missed a day then there was like I think some frustration and resentment a little bit or um, There was a
0: time when my mom kept calling me over and over and over, and that just is not conducive for.
1: (laughs) We'll tell your mom not to listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and so then this this month rolls around. It's like okay, let's just have sex every other day. And then there's that also that kind of like okay, well, what if a day comes along where it's like the day on, and I'm uh, and like it's date night, and we just hosted three thousand two hundred people in our living room, and I'm kind of tired. And so there's there's. Do you know what okay, I mean? good. I've yeah. got it.
2: So, and I may ask a little bit more, but I think, you know, first of all, let me just because people can relate to this, and probably many women in the room can relate to this, which is when you're in the dating phase and the pursuit and the validation of that chase, and the, some it's so validating of your sense of self that you have desire. So, like I was saying in the last question, our sense of self is more important to us than our sexuality. So, the reason why it's so easy. To feel sexual when you're dating is that dating and the validation that's coming through that is expansive, expansive of our sense of self. It it, it makes us feel good about ourselves, so we desire. And um, but as soon as it moves into obligation, okay. And I'm not saying marriage necessarily turns it into obligation, but people within marriage quickly can turn it into obligation. Then it will kill desire because it becomes a challenge to your sense of self. And so Nate, I kind of track you as you know. I think you talked about this Wednesday. You want to be a solver and you want things solved, okay? And so, and so, I mean, I don't mean always, right. but at least yes. around this, this issue, you're Definitely. wanting something solved. Not that you want his advice, kind of thing. But you know, you're you're bringing that anxiety and that fear of what if we don't get pregnant this month, and Nate wants to be the solver, provider, and so his sexuality is getting linked to proving himself. Okay, And that's hard because it creates not just the anxiety of worrying about providing and and managing 3,200 people, but the anxiety of making my wife happy with me. And it feels like not fun and flirtation and expansion of self. It feels like work. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a setup for failure. And so then it's like every day <laughs> I have to go <laughs> through that. And so
1: it, it doesn't yeah. feel like work. <laughs> it feels like work.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was like, it really? Does. Yeah. yeah. A- and so, but the, the issues of your sense of self are what's playing out and wreaking havoc on the re- sexual relationship, yeah. and I think, you know, what I see on your side, Ange, is that you're, I mean, I I get it, You're. Uh-huh. you've made a decision, you want a baby, and now you don't want to wonder when that baby's going to come, and this is a very typical thing, and so I want to have some control over this, because there's something so terrifying about the lack of control, as soon as you decide you're going to have a baby, I don't know what it is, but I think a lot of people will get very anxious about their lack of control, and it can mm-hmm. really, distressed couples that have good sex lives up to that point. And so you're trying to control something and make it happen in the right way. And so you're looking to your husband to solve it. And then I think it, it, it pushes him right where he wants to be strong, but then you know maybe I'm gonna be exposed as not strong. So I think whenever sex is about taking care of Ange, it's gonna, have a, it's gonna be harder. It's not gonna be as desirable for you. And that needy, neediness in a sexual dynamic is very typical, very normal, <laughs> but kills passion. So what would we do? <laughs> <laughs> OK, <laughs> so well, you? I, think, you know, I think what you have to do is uh, you have to well, I mean, this is what I would say if you were my client, and I was—I I would say I, I think we'll that we'll pay you
1: afterwards. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but I think uh, you know, I think what I would say is that um, go on vacation. <laughs> that would be a great one. Go on vacation. Uh, That's true. You know, I mean, I think in some sense you have to. There, there's two layers in which to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to say like we're putting intense pressure on ourselves and it's normal but it's kind of wreaking havoc on us and so maybe we need to just allow the baby thing to happen as it's going to happen yes and maybe that's a place for i and to confront myself and get out of this you know i want something and i want you to offer it to me and kind of settle myself down more because when couples get into this you know need an obligation framing. The way out of it is to kind of settle yourself down and kind of handle yourself better, so there's not so much inter, um, entanglement, because mm-hmm. that will always kill passion. So it might be, look, Nate, is what you might say is, you know, I want to have a baby, but I can handle if that baby doesn't come for 18 months. Yeah, I can handle if this takes time. I see what you're doing. I see the pressure you're under. I respect all the hard work you're doing. I don't want you to have, and not only is it getting me pregnant, but then knowing a baby's coming and you got to keep that baby fed and, and we, can, we can take our time. Mm-hmm. I want to be your partner, I want to be your friend more than produce a baby. So I think that would be a much stronger position to take if you can pull that off internally. Right. Uh-huh. Now, Nate, you're f- making faces. A, what are you? Yeah,
1: I just, pay, those are, ba- to that's it. just a Would ba- that help you feel better? No, this, uh, that's not why the faces, I'm making the faces. I'm making oh. the faces because I just, I know how much you want it. Mm. And that's like a huge, because we've put, we've, we've delayed having a baby because of my fears and, and like anxieties and mm-hmm. stuff like that of wanting to be a provider. And and has been so patient mm-hmm. as we put it off. And like, it kind of hurt it guts me a little bit to have to think that she, i mean i get it mm-hmm. but there's a part of me that hurts to think that our way forward a big piece of that could include her having to say i'll wait another 18 months and i'm okay with it
2: but it's not so much that Anne is saying you know um, she's I, saying she's, I, she's I not calling t- her
1: sword i get that yeah it's
2: she's just saying our friendship is more important than the production of this baby yeah. next month. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that I'm saying I don't want to have a baby, but we need to take some of the pressure off of this because it's not good for us. Yeah. I think it's a sacrifice for the benefit of the marriage, not for Nate because he's not strong enough for something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that. So yeah. it, it's it's a, she's confronting her anxiety, infecting her, the part that's infecting the marriage.
1: It, it also addresses kind of a weird thing where um, just saying that you love your partner more than you love your kid, that's like, I think a lot of people would go <gasps>
2: Well, I'm not saying you love your partner more than you love your kid. You love your kid enough to
0: create a partnership. I think that's super <laughs> important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Can we <laughs> applaud that? <laughs> this is why we have these conversations. <laughs>
2: And then, I think, on your side, Nate, I mean I think um, you maybe need to be needed a little too much and need to be strong too much <laughs> and it's it's you know it's a noble thing on some level, but it then it interferes with partnering and it sounds like you've been working on that some already, but you know that i this is not about showing up and performing, and if If uh, you know, if we set up our sexual relationship that I'm managing Ange's sense of self because I want her sexually, it's not going to go well for us. So Ange has the responsibility of handling her sense of self, and her. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I can be her friend and support her and. Help her when she's going into an acute regression around some mean patient who, you know. I mean, we all do this, okay? We all can go into those things, but it was
1: uh, acute regression.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. Yeah, but I
2: can't. I I can't be here trying. She's my equal. She's as strong as I am. So and so I I get to be fallible, and I get to you know, be anxious sometimes. But maybe if I take the anxiety of performing or solving off the table and proving my, you know, proving myself through the sexual
1: relationship, you then say I could. You proving my masculinity. That's yeah,
2: okay. well, yeah, or just you pr- yeah, proving your masculinity, proving yeah. yourself through it, that I could basically show up more and be with her. Because, I mean, whether or not uh, little Nate that's medium sized does <laughs> what she <laughs> wants. <laughs>
1: I feel like our friendship has just gone to like a new level. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it's up or down, but it's <laughs> it's a different level for sure. <laughs> okay. So whether or
2: not a uh, medium-sized little Nate does what you want, that's not the measure. It's about being together and about having sensuality and pleasure together and not about performance. So many couples are you know, feel they're a performance pressure and not and it's not about intimacy and friendship and, and sharing. So I think, you know, the more you can get this about that we're friends, the more desirable it will be. You know, the easier it'll be to show up, the more your body will do what you would like it to do. So, yeah.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. We will put that <laughs> into practice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So one more question.
1: Is it sweaty in here? Or is it I'm hot. <laughs> okay, and I'm and glad it's not it's just me. Yeah, and me just
0: we got we
1: got a, yeah we got like 25 more Where minutes in here. So let's let's nail one more question down. Sorry, I right. moved it around.
0: You did move it around.
2: I'm so
1: sorry.
0: Just one
2: second. It was down sorry. towards the bottom. This is one I don't know, so this is going to be. That's a why a I was going
0: to have you look at it really quick. Okay. Just to make sure but you're okay. Not that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we're we're almost there. It's De- like I'm a
2: transvestite who's lost my testimony. And my, <laughs> you know, I'm having an affair with you. Know, that'd be like,
0: okay. Let's let's not do uh, that. Yeah, yeah. We can we can say that for later. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one that's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, we're ready it's for the question. One. I
1: knew it was medium sized. <laughs> 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 that's what it's gonna be. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I promise never to bring that up again, by the way. <laughs> this is the only time. <laughs> You'll hey. never look at me the same way again.
0: All right, there it says. It says, this is from a male. It says, my wife has a fun sexual past with her high school boyfriends. Before we dated, she had shared too many of those experiences with me. I was fine with it until I woke up to her crying on our wedding night. It triggered a jealousy and resentment where I feel she gave them her fun self and I got the Mormon prude and they got the fun girl. I love her, but I feel like she has never chosen me. I get that I'm at fault with the unforgiving heart and mad with jealousy that has built emotional walls. I feel like all our sex has been mercy sex. I don't even want to have sex with her because that's what it is. When we become intimate, all I can see is her doing this with them makes me regret and feel bitterness that I strive to stay a virgin and be as clean as I could. I feel like I've lived life wrong. Since she is a terrific good person and she has the dirty past, she is the more better healthy person while I'm the bitter resentful seminary graduate boy. Mm -hmm. It makes me hate myself that I can't get over that. I'm over 15 years into this and the cloud just gets darker and bigger. How can I start becoming more intimate with my wife while suffering with this intense jealousy? I just finished your course, enhancing sexual intimacy, and I'm grateful for you and what you're doing, so thank you, and I would love to hear your answer, knowing it will be painful. Mm. So it sounds like he's ready Gosh. to confront some yeah. stuff in himself. Mm-hmm. That makes
1: me want to cry.
0: Mm-hmm. Serious. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. I
2: think, let me just think where to start. This was I wasn't planning on this question, so I have to kind of process it a little bit, but I think... Um, <clears throat> I think what I just maybe want to start with is sort of my view of the wife for a minute and then maybe my view of what's going on with him. I think the wife, from what it sounds like, um, did something that I think several women that I've worked with in my practice have done, which is they went through a period where they really went out and kind of explored their sexuality, had lots of fun in a sense, and then wanted to come back and marry in a safer way. And the safe was sort of coming back to the church and in a sense, putting sexuality away because the pleasure of sexuality was not really integrated. It was a little bit more like, I don't know, it's like eating cake before you go on your diet because the diet's how you're supposed to really live, that kind of idea, not an integrated relationship with how you relate to food. and so. Um, I've had several clients who do this where they go, they have that experience and then they go repent, repent, come back to the church, and then often marry a man that they're not that attracted to because they are afraid of their sexuality. They're afraid that it will take them down. They're afraid that it will overrun their life and they don't, and or they're afraid of being that in love with somebody or that dependent on somebody. So they will marry someone that they can sort of de-eroticize. And sometimes the men don't track it or know it, that their spouse is doing that to them, and is choosing them while not being that attracted. Now I don't know for sure that the wife felt this way, but uh, she may have felt attracted. Um, but in any case, it sounds like when she had sex the first time with him, it—I doubt she was crying because it was so bad. I mean when is wedding night sex ever that great? But I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that's why she was crying. I'm sure it was more about her own difficulty tolerating sex and sec- her sexual nature and her own guilt and difficulty integrating this into her adult life. And so I think in some ways she wanted a marriage, feels to me, she wanted a marriage that didn't include sex, didn't include much intimacy, didn't include much contact. And so I think he could track that and he, but he also sounds like um, had a reflected sense of self enough or a fledgling enough sense of self that he took her um, tearfulness and her deep ambivalence personally. Because so it sounds like that's when it started. Now, it could be it started just because she was crying, but I think he may also be right that he could feel that she wasn't really choosing him and he was confronting what he'd sort of been feeling all along and now was more present. And then the way that that's gotten handled is him feeling like she wanted all of them and she doesn't want me and um, just feeling bitterness and deflated by it. and. Um, it's might be true that she was in fact more attracted to them than to him, but it sounds a little bit like, how do I to say, i explain this, the way he's in relationship to her has also probably made it easy for her, her to keep him de-eroticized. And what I mean by that is that he and I just want to say this in a kind way because I do mean it kindly, but I, I think that he um, has taken it so personally, he's kind of stayed locked in a bitter little boy position rather than stepping into more of a man position. And, you know, and I think what I mean by that is addressing more directly the marriage and what he tracks about the wife I think he's so um, punctured by it that it's just easier to kind of resent that she's not given him the sexual validation he wants rather than functioning in a more desirable and compelling way, being more of a force to be reckoned with in that partnership. And so you know, I think he's might be better served to address how they both failed each other in this sense. you know. And if I were him, I might be saying I, I have been a child. I've taken your sexual rejection and been bitter and jealous and resentful of you because I couldn't extract from you the sexual validation I thought I was entitled to. And maybe I even in some ways set it up. Maybe I even could track before we got married on some level that you, weren't imbev- you were ambivalent about me, now maybe he couldn't, but if he couldn't track it and now he's sort of waking up to it, that I handled waking up to that badly. And you've been an easy person, I've been an easy person for you to blow off because I've just been resentful of your past rather than dealing with our present. And um, But I think, sweetheart, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've ever really chosen me either. And I think you married me as a way in some sense to handle your ambivalence about your sexuality. And it's really been painful and hard. And I don't know if we have it in us to make it right or not and whether or not you want to make it right, but this has been a painful reality that we have stayed in our immaturity and kept alive for 15 years. So I, that's how I would be approaching it. Now I don't know if you guys want to do a quick role play or something. Like, what do you think the wife might say, Angela, if you were to get into her head?
1: Role play. <laughs> <laughs> this I've, has been. A-
0: um, it would probably be defensiveness, maybe. Yes. Yeah, so just try and get in her head a little bit, because because he he's probably saying the true thing right mm-hmm. now, but you're like, well, and if it's again, if it's fifteen years in, it might. It would might catch me off guard a little bit, yeah. not expecting it. Maybe it's something that I haven't confronted in myself quite yet, yeah, definitely. maybe it's subconscious, and I didn't know that this was what I yeah. was doing um, right. the chances are almost zero that she's gonna say, I think you're right, <laughs> right. it might uh, it might not go so yeah uh, no, yeah, it might be more defensiveness clearly at first, so
2: just go ahead and do it. just do what you think she might do um. Try and get in her head a little okay. bit, like what you kind of map about who the, p- the woman is in this question, and just see if you can play what you think she would do.
0: Um, like I said, I, probably definitely defensiveness and maybe some sadness. You are her now. I would feel.
1: Let's S- no, just speak as her. Um, this is hard. <laughs> it's okay. Do you, want me, do you want me to start?
0: Are you going to be her?
1: No. <laughs> no, 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 but I think I can tee you up. We
0: have someone over here. To make Sorry. Sure. Yes. She might say, like, "You
1: married me knowing That this was my past." Yes. Was my she might I say did. You married me knowing. Okay, you be her for just a second. Let me.
0: Do you want to sp- come up here? Oh, oh, sure. No, you don't want to come up here. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Totally fine.
1: Here she comes. Yeah, do. Do. I don't know if it'll go that far. It won't go that far.
0: No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> no, because it's okay. Uh, this I is helpful.
1: I you. Here's your microphone. <laughs> I don't know
3: what to
0: say.
1: That's okay. I'm so
3: sorry. This is so embarrassing. No, it's no.
1: not. It's okay. You, you don't even applause. have to look at everybody. So you can stay kind of close to the wall. Right here is great. Okay. <laughs> Put the microphone up to your mouth area. Hello. A little more. Hello. Okay. So what would this woman say?
3: I might say, listen, you knew me when you married me. You knew this was my past. I did not keep it a secret from you. I did not That's true. tell you that something different. You knew my past and you knew my mistakes and I thought you understood yes. that. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're yep. right. And I have given you hell for that
2: for 15 years. Very unfairly. But it's not just your past. It's that I also know you haven't chosen me. See, because I think I had the idea that you were going to choose me, and so the past would be okay. And I, I was immature in this. And I think I was leaping into something that I wasn't prepared for. But it's not just you have a past, it's that I felt unchosen by you. And I've been an easy person to not choose. I've been a big baby.
3: Do mm. respond? Um, Thank you for acknowledging that, first of all. Um, I think, I don't know. um, I think it's been, I married you. I, I chose you when I married you. That should be a signal that I'm in this and I'm committed. And so you're committed to staying married to me and you're committed to sharing a life with me.
2: I think that's true. I don't think you've been committed to a sexual partnership with me.
0: Start crying. <laughs> <laughs> start, cry- start crying.
3: <laughs> I would probably feel shame, right? And I don't know. Yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have, I think that would be going. To, like, uh-huh. So what is it we have want? sex. What are you talking yeah, about? We, yeah, We have, sex. We, have a sex. we do have a sex life. Exactly. It's, it's a I can't one. meet these expectations all the time of what you think I need to be doing. And it's... That's good.
2: Okay. It's, I'm it's great. That's <laughs> this what I think would
0: happen. <laughs> <laughs> kind so. of in
3: this idea of expectation. I mean,
2: yes, we do have a sex life. It's not a good one. I think we both know that. You having sex with me is not the same thing as you choosing me. And I'm being straight. I'm not saying I've been an easy person to choose. I've, I've felt so deflated by it that I've really made you pay. But you having sex with me and me accommodating that mercy sex is not you choosing me, nor is it me choosing you. I mean, we haven't been very good to each other.
0: Okay, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That was great. Thank you. We appreciate you.
1: And please come back. (laughs) Do you guys have any other
0: comments on that before we... I I really appreciate this because it's so hard. And I feel like so many of us have hard things to confront. And there's no way to sugarcoat it. It just is gonna take a really hard conversation.
2: And the courage for the husband to talk at that level. Right. Meaning he's confronting himself and his partner, he's confronting the marriage they've co created. It gets it out of the victim perp frame, and that we've both been victims and perps. Mm -hmm. We've both done things to hurt each other in this. And are we, and what I think he's inviting her is to wake up to it, and are we gonna do something better?
1: Yeah, right. That's the next part of the conversation. Yes,
2: exactly. That's where it would have gone, I think, if she were to say, "Okay, I see it." Then, do we have it in us to do something different and better?
1: And do you even want something? Do you different
2: want and something different and better? Do you want me enough? And uh, you know, I want to. I will be better to you. Do you want me enough to really create something better with me?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and and those, you know, these are. This is marriage takes tremendous courage to deal with immaturities and the hurt. And to metabolize that hurt and stand up and create something better when your mind's pulling you towards the familiar and the self-justification, and uh, you know that kind of moral courage is is just really remarkable and makes a big difference. But it it does take a lot of courage.
0: Definitely, and I think. Unpacking fifteen years of this may take professional help. Uh, it May yes. take a therapist to mediate. Yep, I, that and help pull that
1: out, kind of like I what we were doing up here. Think so. Do you know a good therapist? <laughs> I've heard of some. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, guys, we're we are out of time. So let's give Jennifer a big round of applause. I think every single one of us in this room is here because we've benefited from her courage and for her willingness to speak up and for her generosity with her time and her, w- and her wisdom. So thank you, thank you for being here and for thank receiving you. that. Thank and um, let's do this again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> let's do it again. Thank you. Thank you all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that episode
0: it was sure fun.
1: We in- <laughs> you said that with such enthusiasm. <laughs> it, was. it was sure fun.
0: It was. It was a lot of fun.
1: Good. I'm glad you had fun, honey.
0: It was this this second one. There was a lot of um deep and vulnerable conversation. Yeah. So it was it was fun and it was interesting to be in the room. It was really great. Yeah,
1: it's cool to have an interview like that and get immediate feedback from people. Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah, it it's a different experience. Cuz sometimes we just record sitting here in our bedroom and <laughs> and you don't crack know if, a
0: joke, and don't know if it's funny. Yeah, or you say something
1: that you think is thoughtful, and you're like, I wonder how people will receive that. So it's cool to do it in front of a, a live audience. Yeah. Speaking of which, we'd like to do more of these, and I am going to be in Boise in the first week of November, and would love to do a live podcast episode. So if you're in the Boise area and you know of a really cool venue or uh, somebody who would make an amazing guest, please reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Nate at MormonMarriages.com and let's see if we can make something happen while i'm in town out there
0: am i invited
1: you are always invited (laughs) honey (laughs) i know i just know i'm going for business and you're more than welcome to come we haven't talked about it yet but you're absolutely invited
0: awesome well we hope you enjoyed that episode we'll be putting out more soon catch you later